0: I never got any money from you. UFO might just as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity. Be normal. This is The Saucer Life, a podcast in which we examine concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking. No, I couldn't believe this one either when I first happened across it. This is the story of Harold J. Burney. We've dealt with several saucer types who have skirted the law in various ways over the four-year history of this program. Most of the time, they're not committing any actual crimes they're being in some cases profoundly dishonest in other cases profoundly misguided or misunderstood but sometimes they actually do violate the law in a way that is egregious and obvious and documented enough to get noticed by law enforcement picked up arraigned indicted put on trial convicted sentenced to some sort of penance. Reinhold Schmidt is the, uh, the, the case that usually pops into my head. Uh, there are other saucer felons um, who are still around talking and making statements and thus I will not talk about them. But today we've got one who is really in a class by himself and that is Harold J. Burney. So like just about every topic on the saucer life, I'm not the first one to discuss Harold J. Bernie's story on the internet or in books or on podcasts even, but I did want to go about this in a way that was the least likely to, I don't know, get me accused of copying what other people have done. So There's an article at a site called The Saucers That Time Forgot, and there's a link in the show notes that is very, very good. And they do a great job of presenting the entire story. And I didn't just want to duplicate exactly what they did there or or be accused of duplicating exactly what they did there. So what I've decided to do is is take the story directly from newspaper and magazine accounts of the time that I could find. Uh, Not that Saucers That Time Forgot didn't do that, but they go into a lot of stuff that is interesting but is their own original research from, you know, much more intensive things than I honestly have time to do. So his early life, his early crimes, a lot of that, a lot of great background on this particular interesting figure is over at the saucers that time forgot. But I decided to sort of reconstruct things from those primary sources, which is what we do here, really, as you know. But I must say, I would not have had as much background and leads and good knowledge to get started in sort of digging into my own, um, newspapers.com account and things like that, looking for the Bernie story, looking at the Bernie story, if not for the incredible work at saucers that time forgot. So they really are kind of, you know, doing some amazing work on early odd UFO sorts of things. I encourage you to check out their website. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the initial newspaper reports about what Bernie did, which is basically a scam involving saucers and also a contact story. It's very similar to the sort of thing Reinhold Schmidt did. In fact, there's a lot of overlap, and I kind of wonder if Schmidt might have gotten some of his ideas from Bernie. That's a question I'm going to throw out to y'all in the audience as you as you listen. But we're also going to look at and sort of fill in some of the gaps in this story from later accounts, particularly one by, supposedly, by J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI himself writing for, I think it was called This Week. It was sort of, it appeared in a lot of newspapers. It was kind of one of these magazine supplements that go out nationwide in local newspapers like Parade but uh, without that one terrible advice column by that woman with the supposedly super high IQ. So, anyway, enough of how I'm going to do this. I think I think it's best to just go ahead and get started doing it. So, Harold J. Burney, Harold Jesse Burney was born on July 9th, 1898 in Akron, Michigan. And he spent a lot of his young life in Michigan, moved around as a young adult, got in a lot of trouble, um, may have violated the Mann Act, which those of you who know what the Mann Act is know that that's transporting people, underage people across state lines for improper purposes. It's a whole litany of violations and shadiness that make up Harold J. Bernie's life before he gets involved in the scam that brought him to the attention of flying saucer people and uh, eventually the FBI, or maybe the other way around, as we'll see. Like I said, the saucers that time forgot article and Harold J. Bernie does an incredible job of detailing his, uh, his early criminal life up until the point where we get to it and where we pick it up so for his early life his early crimes i urge you to check out that website so regarding our current crime or the crime for which he got noticed by ufo world the earliest article i found that i had access to was from the montgomery advertiser in march 27 1957 and actually i should say this is an associated press story that appeared in some newspapers on march 26th the first one i came across was march 27 1957 but the ap story was dated march 26th and as we saw in some other episodes such as uh, the leveland case a lot of times you've got dozens and dozens of nearly identical stories because of wire service reports that get picked up by local newspapers. So the headline for this one in the Montgomery Advertiser, Montgomery, Alabama Advertiser, March 27th, 1957, Package from Venus Aided Fraud Inquiry of Visitor. The FBI said today a package from Venus figured in the investigation which led to the arrest in Alabama yesterday of a 58-year-old sign painter accused of operating a space-aged swindle. The man charged is Harold J. Burney, formerly of Washington, where he operated a concern known as Telewand Corporation. According to the FBI, he has a police record dating back to 1917 and has served time in a number of penitentiaries. The AP story goes on to explain that he was picked up in Pritchard, Alabama, by federal agents. The photograph had been circulated throughout the entire South. Because he was charged with, quote, persuading residents of the capital area to invest thousands of dollars in the development of communications with Venus. It then mentions that Bernie had written a book, an unpublished book, relating that he had made trips to Venus by flying saucer after making rendezvous with Venusians in Texas. Now, this package he received is very, very interesting. Listen to this. The package from Venus was received by Bernie's wife here last November 12th. It purported to come from outer space, but was delivered through regular U.S. Postal Service. The package contained Bernie's camera, his billfold, and a wallet containing his identifications and credentials. Also inside was a letter from a Mr. Euscellus, reputedly a resident on Venus. The letter informed Mrs. Burney that her husband had recently been on a business trip to that planet and had died there of natural causes. Mrs. Burney turned over the package and letter to local police and FBI agents when they started investigating Burney's activities several weeks ago. Just in case it wasn't clear from the excerpt, Mrs. Burney received a package from Venus with a letter from a Mr. Ucellus saying that Burney had died on Venus. So this letter is not reprinted or quoted in the article. But don't worry, we are going to have a sample of the types of letter that Mr. Usellis would write to Earthlings from Venus later on in the story. So Bernie had been under investigation for some time. The investigation wasn't public, apparently, because the fbi wanted to make sure they had their ducks in a row with warrants and charges and you know being able to make things stick before they arrested bernie bernie was a i think we can safely call him a lifelong criminal and any hint that they were on to him he might go to ground they might not be able to find them but the whole story of how the fbi got on to bernie and what bernie was actually up to is what comes next In this initial AP story and it involves that book that he was writing the unpublished book entitled two weeks on Venus actually triggered the investigation a local representative of a national book publishing house who saw the manuscript became suspicious and suggested to Washington police that they investigate the police after preliminary inquiry called in the FBI Now this is interesting. You might be thinking, why would a publisher or a a, a representative of a publishing house look at a manuscript for a submitted UFO book, a contactee style book, and say, "Whoa, I better call the police about this flying saucer book"? It's kind of a convoluted story. We don't have. I've not been able to find a copy of the unpublished manuscript. I. It's probably somewhere in a evidence file somewhere if it hasn't been destroyed. We'll talk about what FBI files exist later on in the episode, but it isn't so much necessarily the content of the book as the background of the creation of the book that alarmed both publishing employees and the police. Bernie wrote the book of 15 chapters in longhand and turned it over for typing to Miss Pauline E. Goebel, a Washington secretary who has since complained that she invested her $38,000 life savings in Bernie's plan to maintain communication with Venus. She offered the manuscript for publication to a number of concerns, one of which became suspicious when she mentioned her investment in the interplanetary communication scheme. So it's not the content... Of the book itself necessarily that was the problem. I mean publishers had published flying saucer books for almost 10 years at this point. It was the fact that Pauline Goebel had apparently offhand mentioned that to somebody that she had invested her life savings in Bernie's plan. Somebody's fraud detectors scam detectors went off. So as the article closes it mentions the names of a couple chapters from the book and i have to say i would say this almost every episode almost every episode i find something that is my new favorite flying saucer thing but i don't think that these chapter titles especially the second one that you're going to hear are going to be knocked off the top of my favorite ufo things list very soon the book includes a chapter called Dinner with Wisdom and one titled The World Explodes in My Face. The world explodes in my face. It doesn't get any better than that folks, it just doesn't. I I don't know. Submit your answers on a digital social media postcard for a single contact ebook, UFO book, flying saucer book chapter title that is more intriguing or strange than the world explodes in my face. Now I've got to say dinner with wisdom sounds like if you were to take the statistical mean of contactee chapter book titles, it's, it's sort of, I think I'm not going to run across the studio to grab it, but there is a, a, a chapter in, george adamski's book where he's inside the spaceships where he's i think it's called dinner with the master or something like that so that might be clearly a lift from that but dinner with wisdom sounds very contacty ish but the world explodes in my face doesn't sound good so that's the initial public version of the story presented through the press we've got this man harold j Burney, who has been arrested Because he may have defrauded a woman out of some money with a fake flying saucer book. And there's a letter that said he died on Venus, but apparently he didn't because the FBI arrested him. Now, like I said earlier, that was a wire service story. They were very similar, very, oh, they weren't similar. They were identical, uh, maybe edited in different ways, condensed sometimes, the full versions in other newspapers. But across the country, you get basically the same story. But also in the montgomery advertiser april 2nd 1957 not too long later maybe about a week later we've got an article headlined spaceman and this is a locally written story for the montgomery alabama advertiser which goes into a little more detail and is very sort of well written i like this so um let's take a listen to this because i think it is valuable and it gives a perspective that isn't like the wire service stories because wire service stories are very sort of factual, not a lot of jokes, but the world explodes in my face. You know, they did slip that in. When man has explored all there is to explore in the solar system, we hope the record books will record the part Alabama played and we aren't talking about Redstone Arsenal at Huntsville. A few days ago, the FBI arrested a man in Pritchard, Alabama, who is the first citizen of whom we have any knowledge to claim to have visited outer space. Harold J. Burney is the name, and he has written a book about his experiences going to and living on Venus. Burney says in his book that he was picked up by a flying saucer in Texas. Where else? There was a big red ball suspended in midair from the saucer, and a few frozen bodies lying around, casual-like. The saucer, however, was a short-range model, Somewhere out there, Bernie and his creepy friends changed to a building the size of the Pentagon and went the rest of the way in it. On Venus, Bernie says, he died. Of supernatural causes, probably. But in the custom of Venus, he was reincarnated, in which state he observed the science and culture of the planet. Meanwhile, back in the States, a Harold J. Bernie was serving time for selling watered stocks in Michigan, eight years for violating postal regulations in West Virginia, five years in Clearwater, Florida, and other things probably just a coincidence, but the FBI thinks the Venus tourist and the con man are one and the same. They arrested him for bilking a Washington woman and a Rea both Delaware man out of $58,000 to invest in a plan to establish communications between the Earth and Venus. He had, he said, been commissioned for the interplanetary work by officials on Venus. So though future historians may discount the role of Bernie in space exploration, he is a claimant and must be dealt with. Alabama was singularly honored in that of all the places on two planets. He was arrested here So the book existed the book was written we know that but where is the book here? I rely on the work that the saucers that time forgot Folks did and the FBI Possesses the only copy of two weeks on Venus. It was quoted in newspaper reports, as we've seen, and they've filed freedom of information requests for Bernie's materials and, and the books, the book, the copy of the book and everything. And they are still waiting as of at least what I know right now. They are still waiting. So they said they will update visitors to their site when they get a copy. And once I'm able to get a copy, you will be guaranteed of a saucer life investigation or analysis or gentle mocking of two weeks on venus the april 15th edition of time magazine in 1957 also picked up on the story and provided some extra details of how this scam went down it begins like this it was a happy day for harold jesse Burney when he ran into pauline gobel in washington dc six years ago happy for pauline too Bernie told the fascinated Miss Goble that he was a manufacturer of TV antennas and was about to embark upon the production of a revolutionary device called the modulator. Wide-eyed, Pauline listened to Harold's story, and a real whopper it was. Harold had been in touch with officials of the planet Venus. Matter of fact, he had visited Venus in a flying saucer, and after two wonderful visits with his Venusian hosts, had won the honor of presiding over the earthly development of the modulator, which would collect energy, much more powerful than atomic power, from the atmosphere. So we're getting some more details here, and it's a little different from what had been reported before, isn't it? We don't just have Venusian technology to communicate with Venus. This is, this modulator, is something that could be used to gather energy, to be a new energy source and potentially a weapon, which is why the government gets involved. And one thing that's going to become clear is that Bernie consistently implies to Pauline Goebel and other investors that we will meet that he is working not only with a major corporation, which we eventually learn is he claimed was Westinghouse, but also with the American government, because not only of the energy production potential of the modulator, but its potential use as a weapon. So Pauline invests $38,000 and stand by. I'm going to see how much that is in today's money. Okay. That's about $384,000 adjusted for inflation. That is, that is wild. So she's not just giving Bernie money. She is now working with him and helping round up other investors. And the other major investor was a man named Delaware. It was mentioned in that last Alabama article we looked at. And his name, and, and this is a great name, Pleasant McCarty. Pleasant McCarty, who kicks in $20,000. And at this point, in the mid-1950s, we're still a little ways away from the arrest or, or, quote, the present in our story. Pauline starts typing up the Handwritten manuscript of Two Weeks on Venus. And then things start to unravel a little bit in late 1956. Last October, Harold decided it was about time to go back to Venus on business. A month later, Bernie's wife got some bad news in Washington. From Eagle Pass, Texas, came a package containing some of Harold's personal effects and $300 in cash. With this was a letter from a Mr. Uccellus of Venus. Harold, wrote Mr. Eusellus sorrowfully, had died on Venus. Pauline got the word and she was worried. She wrote a letter to the president on the assumption that only high-ranking U.S. officials knew of the modulator. Ike never replied. Then, as we know, Bernie's wife gets a letter from Harold Bernie saying that he has been reincarnated, he came back to life, it's incredible, and that he would write again soon. Time Magazine sums up what happened next. Mrs. Bernie was skeptical. Pauline began to wonder. Pleasant McCarty began to wonder. The Federal Bureau of Investigation heard of the business, and it began to wonder. Harold J. Bernie's world is falling apart, all because he couldn't stop with faking his own death after getting all the money. We'll be back with the rest of the story in a minute. <laughs> We'll be back next time fielding your questions and comments about this episode, so be sure to get those to us in the comments under this episode on the website, on social media, or through email. And then on the next regular episode, it's not a regular episode. It's our annual holiday thing. I'm not sure what it's going to look like yet, but it'll be fun. Um, A little something lighter going into the holidays and the new year. We'll have some Bonus stuff here and there appearing during our traditional end-of-the-year New Year's break, and then we're back with a whole lot of interesting stuff in 2022. You can check out past episodes and support the show at saucerlife.com, or support us through the link in the show notes. We greatly appreciate the support. As always, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Saucer Life, and you can email us at thesaucerlife at gmail.com. You can contact us by post at Chizo Media, P.O. Box 68, Grand Blank, Michigan, 48480. And now, let's get back to the courtroom. In May 1958, um, space traveler, as he's described in one headline, Harold J. Bernie, is indicted for his alleged crimes in bilking Pauline Gobel out of An amount of $12,500. Now we know that's not the entire amount she gave, but as we're going to see, there's, you know, there's what you can prove in court and what you can't. And one of the interesting things about this AP story about the indictment is that we do get some additional details about the story that Bernie was telling to Goebel and to others to help support his claims and persuade them to invest in his modulator. The indictment returned by a federal grand jury charged that Bernie, quote, obtained money and property, end quote, by fraudulently representing that his, quote, magnetic flux modulator, end quote, was capable of producing energy from the atmosphere. He is accused of telling Miss Pauline E. Goebel, 35, that he received all his ideas for the modulator from Prince Eusele's of the planet Venus, and that it was of such scientific importance that President Eisenhower was giving the matter his personal attention and had discussed it with Bernie at Camp David. So, Eusele's is a prince. That's good to know. And we do know that he met, Bernie met, with Eisenhower at Camp David, Not, not at the White House. There might be more official records of that. And you certainly can't have anything like that out there because people might get suspicious. So, we've got an indictment. We're going to have a trial down the road. What, if anything, did Flying Saucer World think about this? Well, one reference to it that... I found is in the New York newsletter or the newsletter of the New York-based Civilian Saucer Investigation Organization in May 1957. And it's interesting. This is their, their May newsletter, but their article is, they say, an abridgment from the Mobile, Alabama Register from March 26, 1957. And it's it's basically the story of his arrest. And that's about it. We do get a little more background from um, the special agent in charge who told them told the newspaper which was then sort of cribbed by the flying saucer newsletter that bernie had had a business going uh, a legitimate business called the telewand corporation whose goal was to make television antennas and then he sort of spun this into the venus story and he wrote a book describing his adventures in outer space now the contribution from the civilian saucer investigation people in the newsletter is set to say quote bernie's book should be an interesting curio has anyone ever heard of it no because it wasn't published it was just barely typed out maybe if you'd waited a week for more information before running with the story you would have known that, civilian saucer investigation people. Of course, I don't know what their deadline was for their May newsletter, but you'd think it would be, I don't know, late enough that they could have gotten a slightly more updated story, unless they didn't care to. Now, NICAP, the premier UFO investigation agency of the 1950s, or so they like to think, was deep in the thick of this, and upon Bernie's arrest and indictment, sent a letter or director Donald E. Kehoe sent a letter to J. Edgar Hoover congratulating him on and the FBI on the arrest of the saucer swindler, Harold J. Burney. And then they trumpeted in their newsletter later that on June 7th, the following letter was received from the director of the FBI. Dear Major Kehoe, I have received your letter of May 29, 1957, concerning our activities in the trip to Venus case, and I want to thank you for your thoughtful congratulations. Sincerely, J. Edgar Hoover, Director. The NICAP newsletter then explains their policy on UFO fraud. Whenever NICAP determines, after thorough investigation, that any published or publicly stated claims linked with UFOs are fraudulent, all the information will be sent to the Federal Bureau of Investigation for such action as the FBI director may wish to take. What a bunch of narcs. So, here's the thing. Bernie's case, yes, we have to acknowledge Bernie's case, Reinhold Schmidt, they were using a UFO story to commit actual crimes involving interstate commerce and fraud and fraudulent securities and all sorts of actual things that a jury and a prosecutor would look at and say, yep, that is a clear violation of U.S. code, whatever. That's not what NICAP is actually saying here, though, is it? Any published or publicly stated claims linked with UFOs that are fraudulent Are they saying that if they determined somebody was telling a fib about a flying saucer story that they were going to call the FBI? I think that's what they're saying. And if you look at FBI records from various flying saucer individuals, especially contactees, what you notice is at some point you will probably find a letter from... Donald Kehoe or his assistant secretary, whatever he was, Richard Hall, saying, I think you should look at this, Director Hoover, because I don't think this is a very true story about flying saucers as opposed to what we do at NICAP, which is completely within the bounds of the law. And, and God bless America, and God bless you, Director Hoover. It's really, eh, bootlicking nonsense. Anyway, the NICAP newsletter goes on to explain why they paid so much attention to the bernie story the trip to venus story has been given in full detail for two reasons one it is a reminder to all serious researchers to search for facts before accepting any flying saucer stories two it pinpoints the need for at least equal publicity on genuine verified ufo reports too often bona fide reports never see print or are treated tongue-in-cheek Changing this approach will require patience and hard work by NICAP, and we shall need the help and support of every member. NICAP's approach here, as, as illustrated by the Bernie case, isn't about the law. It isn't about protecting the victims of crime. It's about protecting the integrity of the concept Of UFO reports and UFO investigations as something that is a serious, scientific, legitimate business. This is is about what I expected from a UFO organization, but NICAP's sort of focus on rooting out and running out of the field anybody they thought wasn't sufficiently serious is, it just kind of makes me sort of roll my eyes and think about how much... Effort, they. Why not just ignore the contactees? Why, why, why sort of say, hey, we we've got this system where if, if anybody's telling any lies, we call the FBI. Who cares? You know, why don't you concentrate on on proving UFOs or spacecraft from outer space and getting Congress to initiate investigations and hearings and and all of that? Oh wait, you did that. Didn't work, did it? People still don't believe your take on the flying saucers after. 1970, or whatever. I don't know. NICAP bugs me, as you might be able to tell. And we're probably going to be doing a full on NICAP episode sometime in. 2022, I've uh, recently, finished. I think I've mentioned this before, recently finished reading Jack Brewer's new book Wayward Sons about the role of the intelligence community or entities associated with the intelligence community in the origins of NICAP back in the 1950s and it was a fascinating, fascinating read and I, I think that it's high time for a NICAP episode I believe, but let's get back to Bernie now that we've sort of Smeared NICAP, an and I've complained about uh, Donald Kehoe, um, which I do at every opportunity. By the fall of 1957, Bernie's fate had been decided. In October, Bernie pled guilty to fraud by wire and false pretenses, and he faced a maximum of eight years in prison and a $1,000 fine. An AP report appearing in the Battle Creek Inquirer on November 4, 1957 reports that Bernie was quoted as saying he had inspected a spaceship which had landed in Texas and had flown in the ship to Venus with Prince Eusellus of Venus with a stopover on the moon. While on Venus, he reportedly said he had learned to make the power plant. That was a quote from the AP story. So in December, Bernie is sentenced from, quote, 20 months to five years in prison. So sort of a variable sentence depending on behavior and things like that. In the end... He pled guilty to two counts. The government dropped the other six counts when he pled guilty. So there was a plea arrangement. And what he was convicted on was defrauding investors and obtaining $300 from Pauline Goebel. So what ends up happening is she gives him almost $40,000, but he gets pled down to a guilty plea for taking $300. So that's kind of disappointing from uh, from her point of view, although the story he told was so outrageous, at what point does it go from being fraud to just being? I, I don't, I don't know. I, you, you don't. I don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming the victim, but I can see how, if I was a prosecutor, I might not want to take this to trial. I might want, I might want to just get a conviction as much as I can, because you're you're going to be in a position where the people making the fraud claims look kind of silly on the stand telling the story. I, I can I don't like it, but I can see why a plea deal might have been a good option. The folks over at Saucers That Time forgot, uh, believe from the records they've found, that Bernie was out of prison after two years or so. Bernie died in Maryland in December of 1967. So after the Bernie case was done, there were some other accounts of it. And the two I want to focus on, the first is Space Age Swindle, which was in the November 1959 edition of the FBI Law Enforcement Bulletin. This is a publication sent out to law enforcement agencies around the country from the FBI uh, highlighting wanted fugitives, interesting cases, things to be on the lookout for. The article begins by acknowledging that the whole flying saucer thing is pretty popular currently publications of the day contain many articles concerning travel into space and speculation regarding landings on the moon or one of the planets this article is mostly just a rundown of the case but we do get some additional information that was in the book that we can't get our hands on because the fbi won't let anybody see their copy. I really wish we could see that book because this sounds incredible. One of his victims related to investigating FBI agents that this imaginative schemer spoke about his alleged trips to the planet Venus, how he was first contacted by an important official of the Venus government, his sightseeing tours on the planet, some explanation of the planetary governmental system, and his return to Earth again after two weeks on Venus and one stop on the moon. This was allegedly accomplished in a spaceship he described variously as being two miles long, as big as the Pentagon, and in the shape of a bell about 100 feet in diameter and about 30 or 40 feet thick, and having windows. The swindler stated that little crime or dishonesty was evident on Venus because when anyone committed a serious crime, he was just picked up and dropped off on another planet. This, of course, raises the intriguing possibility that Reinhold Schmidt was, in fact, once a native of Venus who was simply dropped off on Earth after he ripped off too many people there on his home planet. We also get a little more insight into exactly what he was promising his investors. He claimed that a large eastern corporation had agreed to purchase the manufacturing rights upon the successful completion of a large model of the modulator which was under construction and to pay all who invested in the project seven times the total amount of their investment. Additional investments were needed to complete the model, but the project was top secret and could not be discussed with anyone except a few trusted investors and the scientists and top government officials who were working on the project. Perhaps the most interesting article to come out of all of this was the one called The Swindler from Outer Space from This Week magazine. Now, this article is part of a series called From the Files of the FBI and was written, maybe ghostwritten, just a guess, by J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI. And once again, we see sort of dribbling out, trickling out more details about about Bernie's book and about what his claims actually are were. So he went to Texas, he said, a secret trip in the early 1950s. This is what he told Pauline Goebel, who is named as Pauline Bach in the FBI or the Hoover article. I don't know why they gave her a pseudonym. Her name was in the newspapers just a few years before. This is from 1961, by the way. Anyway, we're relating the story of Bernie telling Pauline about his trip to Venus, and he enters a flying saucer in Texas and he hears a voice inside the saucer i heard a voice the voice said i'd been chosen as the representative on earth for the planet venus after a brief conversation the voice became a, a visible blue glow and the blue glow suddenly changed into the form of a human being he identified himself as prince ucellis the prince said that his planet wished to create a bond of friendship with the united states and venus had chosen me as a go between Uselis promised to give his planet's technological formulas to the United States on condition they were kept secret. At this point, two very high officials of our government, I am not at liberty to tell you their names, stepped forward and gave our country's word that Uselis' every wish would be respected. The way the story works, there seems to be some heavy overtones of Frank Strange's Thor Stranger at the Pentagon story, where the, the advanced being comes down and offers to do a deal with the United States. And what I would love to have known is what books or speakers or whatever was Bernie paying attention to when he crafted this story. This article by Hoover also gives us some insight into the letters that Pauline received from Prince Useli's. Um They didn't come through the mail. They arrived mysteriously on her desk. This is after um, Bernie was... Supposedly, uh, supposedly dead. The first letter that Pauline received ignored the fact that Bernie had, you know, been declared dead and said that Bernie actually, um, he just needs money very much. Quote, I will be able to give him $500, which will tide his small bills, but he will need about 3000 for the others. This is what Prince Uselis wrote to Pauline. I'm Prince Ucelles of Venus. Mr. Bernie is here on Venus with us. He needs about $3,000. And then five months later, she gets a letter postmarked from San Antonio, again from Prince Useli's you know, own hand. Supposedly, this time requesting forty five hundred dollars, and said that this time we do give an update. Bernie is receiving treatment on uh, on on Venus, and then she gets a third letter postmarked at Mineral Wells, Texas, on October third. Says, "quote Our most worthy friend has now passed through a complete process of regeneration." And uh, he'd be back to earth soon. He would be coming in and, and landing in Dallas. So this, this, it just, it's an amazing story. And, and this is pretty much the end of the story, but I, I'm just tickled by the fact that this Bernie guy was such a good con artist that he got away with this for so long and was able to get off with a relative slap on the wrist. And honestly, you know, kept a lot of money or had a lot of money that well spent a lot of money other people's money before anybody thought that this might be a strange thing now as this episode is going out it's the holiday season which is a time when scams run rampant and so as you reflect on the story of harold j burney and pauline gobel and uh, pleasant mccarty who was also uh, in for 20 grand or so Just remember, the next time somebody tells you they've got plans for a special device that is being manufactured, but they need your money to make it happen, and then you'll all be fantabulously wealthy, I don't know, just, I don't don't know, don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. That's my, my holiday season public service announcement. Don't do it. It might not be real. And in closing. UFO might just as well stand for unprecedented financial opportunity had to get that in somewhere thanks for listening remember to send in questions and comments via the usual social media or email channels and we'll address it next time our associate producer is simpson j hanover the and the saucer life is a production of chizo media llc chizo media our heart is with the people till next time the world explodes in my face